do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. If you're the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes, your goal is to make your child's life as normal as possible while also keeping your child as healthy as possible. This is not always easy, especially when your child is younger, say nine or 10. Helping them in an age-appropriate way can be challenging and figuring out what is age-appropriate, where they can take on responsibility and where you need to pull in the reins can be downright challenging. Welcome to the Live Free With UND podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and on this episode of the podcast, I coach Jeff. Jeff's son Jackson was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2020. And over the past couple years, Jackson has become independent. And Jeff wants to maintain that independence in Jackson. However, he wants to make sure that he's keeping him safe and is giving him the support that he needs. And that's where Jeff is having challenges. In this episode, we talk about how Jackson can learn about the hull of his boat, that's his diabetes management and education, in an age-appropriate way and how Jeff can start to let go of the reins and allow Jackson to become the captain of a diabetes management sailboat. If you're the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes, this episode will help you a lot. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your son, who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes not too long ago. Yeah, so I'm Jeff. I'm married. Uh, I have two children, uh, an eight-year-old boy, Jackson, and a, a four-year-old, Savannah. Uh, my eight-year-old is the T1D. He was diagnosed 2020, uh, right around Christmas, about two and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, we, we, we are both professionals, my wife and I. We, we were working uh, in, in the pharma industry, scientists, so to speak. Um, when he was diagnosed, and that's kind of changed a little bit, and we realized how much work it is. And we we have um, my wife has taken a less stressful job at this point to kind of manage Jackson's care and make sure he has everything he needs to to live a healthy life. So before we get started, before we dive into the meat of our conversation, I want to hear about what it was like to have a child diagnosed diabetes in the middle of the pandemic. That must have been a challenge yeah. in many ways. Yeah, so it, it was um, it was a surprise. We don't have T1D in our family. Uh, I had known a few adults that professionally working with them with T1D. Um, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, it was right around Christmas of 2020. Uh, we did 
doing what all families do, you know, baking cookies and getting ready for the, the holiday season. Um, Jackson, like a lot of diagnoses, we were lucky he wasn't DKA, um, but, you know, kind of had some uncharacteristic, uh, like thirst, urination. My wife had had a conversation with a coworker years back um, about their T1D journey and, and happened to, I guess, apply that to our situation. So yeah, we almost made it out of 2020. Um, we took him to the, we had a virtual phone call with the pediatrician and she sent us right down to the, the children's hospital here in Colorado, uh, which is now that we know a pretty world-class institution for this kind of thing. Um, we spent almost a week in the hospital um, and not really from any complications, but all the educators were on Christmas break. <laughs> so we spent Christmas in the hospital during the pandemic and the, the Colorado Children's Hospital does a fantastic job. So he had this big pile of presents in the room and a um, big pile of presents at home. It was a bit odd because uh, he has a younger sister who was two at the time and we weren't really socializing or um, I have older parents that live nearby and we weren't kind of exposing them to undue risk. But uh, everybody rallied. My parents took my daughter and um, yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, it was, I guess, looking back. Uh, it, it was a pretty stressful time in general without the the type one diabetes. And I'm curious, did you guys have COVID at all <laughs> before the diagnosis? We had not. No. Okay. No, we had no COVID, and I don't. I don't actually remember any kind of triggering virus or anything. It just kind of happened. Yeah, I mean that's that's not uncommon. Although the reason I asked is because we're seeing a lot of people, especially adults, be diagnosed with diabetes after a COVID diagnosis, and so um, we see yeah. a big a big spike in not so much in kids but in adults um, during that time. So it's interesting time. It's got to be challenging having kind of going into the hospital during COVID times, but not for COVID, and trying to manage all that yep. and manage the risk. And it's I, I applaud you for that. All right. You know, it's yeah. Every, kind of, every time the nurse, every time the nurse came in the room, which which most people with a T1 diagnosis know, is every every hour or two they come in to to check on you. Mask, you know, you put your mask back on and um, sleeping with your mask on, and it was it was pretty uh, unique. Yeah. So I know today you want to talk about how can you raise Jackson to be a normal kid and give him the freedoms of of a ten year old, you know, and as or as eight year old. Um, what, yeah, he's eight. yeah give, give him the freedom of an eight-year-old to let him go to barbecues and have fun, go see friends, but also making sure that he's safe. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, what is your big, biggest challenge right now and how are you addressing it? How can I help you? Yeah, so I, I would say that as a parent of a young T1D, our worries and concerns are probably not unlike uh, an adult with T1D. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a, a, an understanding of the disease and we we very much want Jackson to have a normal childhood experience. You know, we don't want to say he can't have the birthday cake or um, he, he can't go do this or that. Um, but we also understand that, that there's many variables that go into the management of this disease and that um, I guess not being conscious about what we're, what he's eating or doing or how that's interacting with his insulin or what kind of a day he's having. Um, certainly is another way to help us manage that. So we make pretty good substitutions. I think when we're at home and we're eating dinner like we do during the week every night, 
We have pretty good, uh, say, like keto hamburger buns that knock 20 grams off a hamburger. Um, the, the law of large or small numbers, however you look at it, right? The more insulin and carbs that go in, the more chance you have of kind of getting it wrong. And then he's off the rails all night. Um, but I think the example I, I was mentioning uh, when I wrote in to you was about a barbecue we went to. And we mm-hmm. got to the barbecue. And there was a lot of our adult friends there and their kids and everybody's running around having a great time. And there is like fried chicken and French fries and Texas toast and birthday cake and lemonade. And I guess I, you know, Jackson's a pretty responsible kid for eight. I've always thought this since the beginning of his diagnosis. I've always uh, taken a lot of strength from how he's approached it and just kind of kept going and doing And so we have really open and honest conversations with him about food and his management. And and I want to remember that day that the the conversation was kind of like, well, let's, what do you think? Can we stay away from the lemonade? Certainly you can have some fried chicken. It's lunch. Let's eat. You know, do you want a piece of toast or French fries? Trying to get him to understand that um, unlike even myself, right, I can go and just graze and put things in my mouth unconsciously. that, that he, he would be better suited thinking about that. And so I guess I'm often trying to balance um, his immediate joy and happiness with kind of trying to instill the responsibility that I know he's going to have as a young adult and certainly as an adult when he moves past. Yeah. How did he respond to your suggestions at the barbecue about maybe saving up for the lemonade, but having the fried chicken or how does he respond in general when you that when you suggest to him that, <clears throat> that maybe he not eats a certain thing and substitute from, for something else? I, I think this is where I'm so impressed. I think 90% of the time he's fine. He, he mm-hmm. gets it. Um, I, I, I guess I just don't want to keep planting in the idea in his head that you can't eat that. You can't do that. You can't because of this disease that, um, I, I don't want to be the parent that's always saying no, 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 no. Um, uh-huh. and, um, I want to give him a toolbox for him to start making those decisions, which I think he kind of has already. Um, he says he doesn't like cake, which I can't believe, but, um, it has to be a special kind of cake made by grandma, I think. But I, I think in general in his head, he's already kind of wrestling with these things, right? Like if it's a store-bought cake, it's usually not that good. It's usually not worth eating. It stresses mm-hmm. mom and dad out. Um, and so I think normally he responds fine, but I think also I've seen things. So he plays Little League Baseball, right? And mm-hmm. a mom will bring a bunch of homemade chocolate chip cookies and all the kids will be reaching and grabbing handfuls of cookies and he'll be like, no, thanks. And that, that kills me, right? That, that breaks my heart. I have to go up to him and I say, Hey, you can have one of those. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think he's still trying to figure out, can I not have it or, or how does this work? Um, and that particular situation happened. And I was like, you, you can have one of those cookies. We just have to talk about it first. You can't just shove it in your mouth and eat it. And w- when he said, no, thank you. Was it kind of a forlorn it res- uh, resignation of, I can't have this or do you really not want it? Um, I guess I interpret it as a, I shouldn't eat that. Mm. Like that's, yeah. that's something that maybe, cause as soon as I said he could have it, he ran back and, <laughs> you know, grabbed it and devoured it. Yeah. Um, 
And so I guess as a parent, it's, it's complicated, right? Like I, I want to, I want him to have that carefree youth that I experienced, mm-hmm. but uh, type one is not carefree. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of questions for you. I'm curious with Jackson about his personality. So from what I'm gathering from you and tell me if I'm incorrect, he sounds like he, he likes to follow yeah. the rules that he, that you know, he likes to be a rule follower and, and make sure that he's in line with what mom and dad are thinking, saying, or what you, what the perception might be. Is that accurate? Yeah. He's a, um, he's a stubborn kid, very strong willed. And so mm-hmm. I think once he interprets a rule for himself, mm-hmm. that's the way it is. Um, whether that's correct or incorrect, that's the way it is. Okay. And what about his level of anxiety just in general about at school around diabetes in life? I, I think it's almost non-existent. And okay. I think that's another question that I, that I would have is right. Like there's a handoff here that happens. It doesn't happen. Just, you don't wake up one day and just hand him his T1D management that my hope would be from, you know, the age of eight to the age of 25. That's something he, my, my wife and I are kind of helping him transition to a completely independent um, situation. Yeah. And I ask about this because, you know, type 1 diabetes doesn't live in a bubble. And so you, br- you bring your own personality yeah. and how you approach it to the table. And so folks that are, you know, rule followers, they'll, they'll follow the rules, maybe, maybe to their own fault or to, to their own detriment. Maybe mm-hmm. if, they, if, they're, if they're anxious, they bring that anxiety and that, that covers or that lays over their diabetes management. So they're, they're always very on guard. And so I, th- I think paying attention and also owning your personality and seeing it in that in the context um, can be really helpful. Um, so th- yeah. th- that, 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 that's the first thing I would suggest is, is to see that, you know, where, where are his strengths and where are his weaknesses and how can you use his personality to his advantage? And it sounds like, you know, wanting to sure. follow those rules and also not having any anxiety. My guess is that he, doesn't, that he has anxiety in a functional way, meaning yeah. you know, he's not, he's not going to do something that's going to be dangerous for him. However, he's willing to take those quote unquote risks in order to, you know, enjoy life. You said that you're just mountain biking today. And so being able yeah. being out mountain biking, if that's a stress-free thing for him, that's amazing. And I would really, yeah. I, I would lean into that. Yes, for sure. What are, what, what is your concern about him having lemonade, for example, at a barbecue? Yeah, I don't think it's lemonade in particular. I think it's, um, I guess it's, again, the law of small or large numbers, however you're looking yeah. at it, right? Like trying okay. to trying to get him to say, there's all these choices. Um, lemonade with the chicken tenders, with mm-hmm. the French fries, with cake an hour later could be something that we are, I guess, uh, managing well into the evening and even the next day. Okay. So, and so for you, it's a matter of, you know, how... How are we going to manage this post the, post eating it? You know, how how late will we stay up? Will he be going high, low? Will we wake him up in the middle of the night to help him correct things like that? Um, what about from his perspective? And what, what's he concerned about if if he were to have a high blood sugar, for example, or a low blood sugar? Does that seem to face him? Aside from the stress that it puts on to you? Yeah, I don't think so. So, I mean, I think when he's low, he's starting to realize that, and he says, "I'm mm-hmm. hungry. Can I have something to eat?" When he's yeah. high, he tend he we can see it. I'm not sure he mm-hmm. understands. Um, you know, hey, I'm at 300, and you know, I'm feeling kind of cranky or grumpy. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I think 
my wife and I are, are pretty hands-on with the management at this point. So we are mm-hmm. the ones that are kind of turning on the over overrides all night to kind of bring him back down or um, kind of hearing that he doesn't hear his alarms either when mm-hmm. he's sleeping. And even when he's at school, he, he, you know, the teacher will come over and say, Hey, I heard your phone just beeped. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's aware yet of kind of when he's high or low or, or the, um, the management of it. Yeah. So I think that one thing that you can focus on is helping him to see the relationship between, you know, when he's high and how he's behaving or maybe how he's feeling. So he's, so that he's aware of those things because you really want him to have that internal feeling of, you know, control and, you know, making decisions about how he's, what he's eating for, especially based on the impact that's going to have about him right away. You know, I'm glad yeah. I haven't heard you say anything about, you know, worried about complications, which is, of course, is a worry that all parents have. But for, for kids, you know, that's not something that they can even conceptualize. And so right. finding ways to see, okay, if, if I have this, the cake and the, the lemonade and the fried chicken all at once, I'm not going to be able to play with my friends. I'm not going to be able to go play play a little league today because I'm not going to feel well. Um, that, that's really, I think, a, a, an important thing for kids to recognize because that helps them to make better decisions about, their, what they're going to eat and how they're going to manage, as opposed to saying, don't do this because a 300 blood sugar is bad. Now, 300 blood sugar, yeah. like on the surface of it, is not a positive thing, not, not something we want to have, but we want to have help him to see that connection so that he can, you know, make decisions based on what he wants or doesn't want to have happen kind of in, in that current situation. Yeah, that's, Another a thing, great, that's a great point. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day, and every day is clear to me. The people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose, and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. Another thing that I, I want to encourage you to do, which I think is helpful for all of us, is create an environment 
in your house, you know, in wherever he is, where he can be successful. You know, if you, and I think that you mentioned this before, you go to a party and all there is is, you know, cake and candy and food that's going to send your blood sugar high. That's not an environment where he's going to be successful. But if he has, if you have available snacks and food that he really enjoys, but also is going to be, you know, playing by that rule of small numbers and keeping his blood sugars in range, um, that's going to set him up for success. And so making him feel like he has a choice in the matter, but also making sure that he has options where he can choose to have foods that are going to make him feel good so that he can continue to live, live the life that he wants to live, you know, on a daily basis to be able to ride his bike and play little league. I think that's going to be really, 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 really empowering for him. Yeah, we, we do try to do that. And I would say that one thing we find ourselves saying often to, to both kids is, um, that food is important, right? Like Mm -hmm. we don't have a bunch of stuff around the house that is probably not good for anybody to be eating. Right. So, um, we do, we do try to, we, we have treats, we have, um, you know, desserts, uh, occasionally, but we don't have ice cream every night after dinner. That's not something anybody in our family does. Right. So it's not uh, a matter so of, we really, it's, it's not singling him out and saying you have diabetes, yeah, you can't have this. It's like, we don't, we just don't eat this every night. It's a special treat. Yes. Very consciously. We, we all do the same thing. We do not single him out because of this. Well, and I think that, I think that what we learn, you know, singling, singling him out or not is that. People with diabetes, you know, if you if you're eating a, a diet that is a healthy diet for someone with diabetes, it's actually a healthy diet for anybody. And so, you know, it, yes. it, it, it helps everybody out in, in that process. Yep. Um, yep. So, uh, from your perspective, I, I'm curious, what would be success in terms of Jackson's blood sugars? Um, what would be like if you if you look at his weekly charts or monthly charts? Like, what would be where would you be comfortable and happy? Where his blood, if his blood sugars were at a certain level, in terms of yeah, that, time, in, time in range as well as A one C or um, or average blood glucose. Yeah, that that's actually a great question, and and I think I, maybe my answer will surprise you. I actually think we are successful. Uh, I don't, I don't think right now. I mean, his his A one Cs are generally generally high fives, low sixes. Okay, um, and his time in range is generally you know eighty percent or so 75% most days. It's just the, um, I guess my worry, probably every parent's worry, regardless of what they're going through is just handing it off someday. Mm -hmm. And I see the, I I guess I see the path to his freedom, Uh his own self-management. So if he, if he can go to his friend's house and understand, you know, why his phone just beeped, or Mm -hmm. if he can understand how to dose himself, um, at some point, Maybe maybe third grade is too much to ask at that point, and I can appreciate that. But angling to that, I see that as his path to being a normal kid. That yeah, he can I, manage himself. He can he can go mountain biking with his friends. He can bring his little kit with him, and he knows, hey, I'm getting low. I need to, st-, and he will stop and and eat something. Or hey, I'm high. I'm going to correct this. Yeah, and I think that that's a great kind of target for you to be in. His blood sugar sounds like they're great. You know, you know, eighty percent time in range for an eight year old is is pretty amazing. I'll, I'll tell you that, Jeff. Yes. Um, and you know, yep. continuing to set him up in that way where he can have that freedom, but also keep that that sort of control, or even if his control becomes a little bit less. Um, less regular, that would be totally fine. We try to aim for 70% or higher in adults and it's probably, probably even less yeah. in, in kids. So that that's great. But I think that the goal here is to kind of get him to a place where he 
um, is confident on his own. And I think that you're doing, it sounds like you're doing a great job so far in that process. Also remembering his level of development. So, and, and where, yes. where he is developmentally. So as an eight-year-old, you know, I wouldn't expect him to be able to dose on his own. Or maybe starting right. that process, you know, with some consultation from you, or if he goes to a friend's house, calling you and asking you. Um, but, yep. you know, in, but helping him to see that, this is how it is. And this is, this is what we, this is the process that we, that we work with, but also normalizing the fact that sometimes blood sugars are going to be high and sometimes they're going to be low and then giving him the education about, okay, when this happens, you know, this is what you do. And even, I would even suggest having a plan. So for example, you know, let, let's say in a couple of years when he's a little bit more mature, you take him to, he goes to his friend's house and he sees the blood sugar is 180 with, you know, no insulin on board, then you can have, you, he, he can trust his pump if he's using a pump or he can trust his yeah. calculations himself. But if the blood sugar is over 200, then maybe you say, I want you to call me and we can discuss it before you take any action. Um, same thing on the low side. Um, certainly we don't, we want him having some rules to follow. That is, we don't want him calling you if the blood sugar is low, we want him taking action by saying, yes. okay, Jackson, if, if you're below 80, this is what you do and actually giving him some a step-by-step plan so that he can lean into that. So you're comfortable that he's going to follow it, but he also knows what to do because I think one of the problems is people get overwhelmed with all of the, the, the mental gymnastics. And if you have a plan to follow, okay, when this happens with my blood sugar, this is the action that I take, whether it's call mom or dad, or whether it's, ta- whether it's, you know, take a bolus or eat some sugar. Um, that will, I think, make you more confident in his ability as he grows up as well as make him confident and help him to see that, wow, my actions actually matter. And I have a plan that I can follow, which then will make him, you know, probably even less anxious than he already is and make, and make you more confident in that process. So, yeah, that's, I think that's, that, a, that's a great, that's a great idea. And I, and I think like we, we have started that. So just this, this kind of the last six months or so, he will go spend time with his grandparents for an afternoon mm-hmm. or a day even. And, and there will be very clear instructions on the way out the door, like, hey, grandma and grandpa aren't used to this. If your mm-hmm. if your phone makes a an alarm or you beep, like, take it out, to ask them for help, and they, they mm-hmm. can call us, and we can we can all figure out what to do. Um, so I think that's that's great. Yeah, and I think the, the last thing I want to suggest to you is, you know, he's going to have high blood sugars, he's going to have low blood sugars. That's just the reality of diabetes. And probably as he as he keeps growing, I'm not sure if he's still honeymooning right now or not, uh, but certainly as he enters puberty, his blood sugars are probably yeah. going to be more variable than they are right now. And I think that the important Definitely. thing for you, Jeff, is to is to normalize that. And you know, and if, if you ever see a blood sugar of 300, 400, whatever that is, not to be shocked, not to overreact, but to say, okay, your blood sugar is high, what action do we take? As opposed to kind of probably what you want to say is, oh my gosh, his blood sugar is high. We need to figure this out right now. But I think normalizing the fact that blood sugars are going to be high, they're going to be low. And that's just part of life with type 1 diabetes will help him to be able to behave and treat those things without overreacting, without feeling anxious or self-conscious about what mom and dad might think, but saying, okay, this is the number. It's a number. And this, when my number is X, it means I do Y. If my, my blood sugar is 300, it means I take, you know, three units of insulin or whatever that ratio is. Um, and making sure that that he knows that it's a it's normal part of the process rather than feeling guilty, shameful, or um, self-conscious about what your reaction might be. And I think that's probably one of the best things you can do right, starting right now to continue setting him up for success is, is normalizing highs and lows, 
but and focusing on the averages. If he's averaging 80% time in range, then fantastic. That means that 20% time in range is going to 20% of the time he's going to be out of range and yep. normalizing that too, but trying to keep him in range as much as possible at the same time without overreacting to the out of range blood sugars. Yeah, that's good advice for us interacting with him. But I, I think that's probably pretty good advice for just parents in general, right? That yeah, you, you got to go with, got to go with the flow and take your punches and move on. And and, and they're gonna pick up on your reaction. So if your reaction to a three hundred blood sugar is this is a dire emergency, let's you know sit you down and take you out of the baseball game, then that's gonna be the reaction that he has, or he's gonna start hiding it from you. Um, one of the two. Yep. And that we we don't want either one of those to happen. We want him to see um, his, his blood sugars as a GPS number. You know, you, your GPS doesn't yell at you when, when you make a wrong turn or you or you get lost. It just reroutes you. And if you could take that that attitude towards your blood sugars and say, okay, well, I'm rerouting, and now to reroute, I need to give myself this much insulin or I need to eat this much sugar. That that just that neutralizes the emotional reaction and sets him sets him up for success. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jeff, this has been a pleasure talking to you. I hope it's been helpful for you as you continue to navigate this new world with Jackson. It sounds like you're doing a great job so far and you know, your desire to make sure that he's able to be a normal kid and able to go do all the fun things that eight year olds and nine year olds and 10 year olds will do in the future um, is amazing. So thank you for the conversation. And I hope this was helpful. Yeah, thank you. It was. And uh, yeah, no doubt two and a half years ago when we were diagnosed, I wouldn't have imagined myself being here. It, it uh, <laughs> You can step, definitely see all that's possible from, from where I'm sitting. So yeah, just want to make sure he has all those tools and, and can achieve. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use starting right now in your life of type of diabetes to reduce your stress. And today, your plan of action is ask yourself this question. What can I do to create an environment where I can be successful in my life of type 1 diabetes? As I talked to Jeff about Jackson, we want to help him create an environment where he can be successful in becoming independent and managing type 1 diabetes on his own. And the same thing is true for you. So what can you do today, one small thing, to start creating that environment for yourself? Take out a pen and paper, write it down, and put it into action. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.